0: to the very second episode of my podcast yay <laughs> um to those who tuned in the first time thank you so much and if you're back again even more thanks um, if this is your first time thank you and welcome um, so before i get into what i want to talk about today i want to get the elephant, elephant out of the room i'm sorry guys i'm sorry everyone for not being as consistent as i need to to make this more interesting for myself and my listeners i've been very busy um i'm finally on leave but it it was a busy last couple of months for me um well sounds like i'm making excuses i'm not okay well i am (laughs) but my point is i'm sorry um and I'm happy that you guys are listening and I'm happy to still be recording a new episode. Hopefully I'll do better and I'll be able to structure my content um, around a more consistent timetable. So without much further ado, without is it further ado or without much ado without (laughs) without much ado further ado, let's get into the topic of the day. Um, the current state of political debate um, or political discourse, whichever one you want to call it. Um, I think it's a very important conversation to have, one that we need to have, um, because it's just so important and the landscape around political conversations is changing so rapidly. Um, I think we do ourselves a great injustice to not have this conversation honestly, Um, This was initially supposed to be a Twitter thread on totalitarianism, but I I changed my mind because I believed that um, I needed a bit of expressiveness to get the point across in a way that I felt would inspire the kind of dialogue that I was looking for. Um, So here we are. (laughs) Um, Let's get into it. Have you ever wondered to yourself how um, people allowed for Nazi Germany, Stalin, Mao of China, and all these totalitarian governments to exist and commit so much atrocities? Have you ever wondered why? Um, I have, and I think that's why I want us to have this conversation Because currently, I think the political landscape reveals that we're at the onset of tyranny. And there are many factors at play that are foiling this and making it easier for the gullible to be preyed upon. And I would explain to you throughout this podcast as I continue um to To talk about this but but, I just want us to keep an open mind because I know it might seem a bit outrageous me starting out um the episode saying that we're at the onset of <laughs> authoritarianism, but I do believe so, and I think it's still something that we can avoid um we still have the advantage um there's still time to to turn it around, and I think the only way to turn it around is by having these sort of conversations. So why do I say we're at the onset of tyranny? I think when we look at the patterns, at least in modern history, not the whole of history, let's look at the 20th century, and we look at Stalin, and we look at all these people, um, Nazi Germany, and we look at how minority groups came to power, and we observe the patterns, we will see some of them, very vividly, it's not even hidden, very vividly in today's landscape, right? Um, And one of the most vivid and most sure banker ways to tell that one is entering a tyrannical space is, you're you're made to cast aside all your integrity. You're made to put aside all of your integrity. to repeat outrageous falsehoods so that you become bound to your group or your leader or your leaders. You put aside all your integrity, right? (laughs) To repeat ideas and outrageous lies and falsehoods so that you're bound to your leader or leaders by shame and complicity. Because it's like, A cycle, a very vicious one, if you can be made to repeat a lie with a straight face, an obvious lie, that's a display of powerlessness. Not only is it a display of powerlessness, it's something you feel an embarrassment for doing. And when you feel an embarrassment for doing something, you double down. You double down on behalf of your group or of your leaders. Nobody wants to admit that they've been bamboozled, let alone being unkind, let alone be wicked, let alone being harsh, let alone be violent because of a falsehood. So when you can go in that deep on behalf of an obvious lie or an obvious falsehood, Right, you become indebted to your group. You become bound to them by shame and complicity. And this is how totalitarian governments. This is how they gather so much power. Now, how does all of a sudden, how does somebody just like come up with a lie and you get repeated over and over and over again? Good intentions right? That's it. Good intentions is a very simple trick. Like good intentions, whether it's religion, the promise that you are the good guys, the promise that you are the one with the truth and on the good side, good intentions. When you have good intentions, the, the, the bomber, the suicide bomber who carries a bomb to die is sure that they're on the side of good, which is God in their own sense when you have good intentions, whether it's liberation of the poor, gender, whatever it is, good intentions are the horses that tyranny rides on, which is why, I'm a socialist by the way, but I have to say this, which is why a lot of, quote unquote, socialist economies that have existed in the modern world have been tyrannical. Because good intentions, the idea that everybody deserves to own a piece of the pie that they create, is a very noble intention. Good and noble intentions are with the, the, the vehicles that tyranny rides on. And through good intentions, you can justify lies. And by justifying lies, you can repeat them over and over and over with a straight face. And then you can commit atrocities on behalf of lies. The old saying goes, those who can believe absurdities can commit atrocities. That's, I can't think of anything more apt to summarize my thoughts on that. And I'm not going to pinpoint the exact lies that are very present in political conversation today but I'll just say that there are lies so I'll do that in a different episode I don't want this episode to debate into a different topic <laughs> um, but I'll do that in a different episode now so that's the first thing right and that's the f- most vivid thing that I see today in the political landscape of, of discourse right now the second thing is to shut down debates right because when you have debates right you have to face the reality of your lies you cannot maintain lies that you face and i think that that's why we don't have debates what we have is dictation and absorption right and one of the ways again riding on good intentions that we avoid debate is by using words or phrases like don't debate my humanity this is something that i myself have used but i've stopped using it now because when you think about it it's very well intended i mean why should your rights to freedom and love and justice be up for debate why should your being acknowledged as the human being that you are be up for debate but when you look at it a little deeper, you realize that it's a vague statement when you say, my humanity. If we're not going to have a conversation around what the boundaries of your humanity are, then when you say, don't debate my humanity, it becomes a statement that anything can be imposed onto it. Anything. And we can use that as a trump card once the conversations get uncomfortable. Another way that totalitarian governments and tyrannical movements come to prominence is by taking the political position of the victimhood, of the victim rather. Let me just put it this way, politics is a game of cheating and it's about cheating people to believe that you're right. You're always right. The leader or the figure is always right. People do this subtly, boldly, in different ways. Um, but what totalitarian governments do is they take that fundamental commandment of politics to the very extreme, right? And that's something that they do. They, they take it to the very extreme, right? And it, it becomes ridiculous but it's not something that is unfamiliar media bias and whatnot is at an all-time high right and why i said we're in such a difficult time is because we have social media social media is a drug that we're just getting to know and that's when drugs are most dangerous because we don't have a full understanding of what the side effects of that drug are or what the effects of that drug are we know it's a drug a lot of us are addicted i see tweets of people saying they can't stop scrolling through their twitter feed we're addicted um But the reality is we don't even know. We haven't experienced the drug long enough to be able to tell what the long-term effects of this drug will be on our sanity, on our sense of reality. So we're in a very fragile state as a people. The gullibility is heightened because we're deceived to think that we have access to information we believe that we're in a time of information meaning that information can be engineered and you would accept it as not engineered because you have the bias that you're in a time of information so we're very vulnerable we're taking on massive amount of massive amounts of information knowledge um energy, emotions, performances, virtues, performances of those virtues, ETC all at once. And the biggest danger of it all is the rise of the personal brand, which is inevitable when you think about what social media is. Um, Before, brands were companies, groups of people, entities, and organizations. But now, brands are people. In fact, if you know anything about branding, you know that. That's a common saying. We're in the time of the personal brands. And the thing about brands is that they're mechanical. They're, they're, they're images well-crafted to put out to the public. And as brands become bigger, we demand more from them morally and ethically. We demand for them to be right. I wouldn't use the word morally or ethically. Let's just say we demand for them to be right. Um, because morals and ethics... Especially morals, they, they change depending on your religious background, whatnot, whatnot. So we demand for our brands to be right, whether that is morally right or ethically right, depending on the time. And because we as human beings, everyday people, have access to a media where we can become brands, where we too can become famous and be rewarded whether it's with money whether it's with material gain whether it's with fame whether it's even just a sense of purpose we can develop personal brands and get rewards everyday people all around the world in the millions are living their lives like we have expected companies and organizations to live programmed mechanical to fit on the right side of conversations, on the right side of history, on the right side of, uh, on the right side of everything, to be to be in the right conversation, and because of that, we've dehumanized ourselves and we've lost the ability to have intellectual humility. I wouldn't say we've lost that; please have intellectual humility, but we're lacking that intellectual humility, the, the, the acceptance that we don't know everything, the acceptance that we should question things, the acceptance that... Because we need to be right, which is why my podcast is occasionally right, because it's, it's a rebellion to that need. We need to be the right because we are personal brands now. So we're in a very vulnerable state as a race. I'm talking about humanity now. Now, to crown it all... Um, <laughs> To crown it all, we look at the fact that America is close to its downfall. Now, I'm not saying this, I'm not being anti-American, or I'm not trying to offend anybody who is American who is listening. And my point isn't to say that America is bad. Of course, there are many, many, many bad things about America. But the point I'm making here is every civilization, state, country, great ones for that matter, they have their rise, their reign, and their fall. It's a cycle. Meet, build, rise, reign, fall. Whether it's the Greek civilization, Roman civilization, Egyptian, Benin kingdom, anywhere in the world, it happens. And America is at currently at its fall period it might not happen hopefully maybe we have the tools we need to turn it around Um, I don't know (laughs) but but that's what we're seeing the pattern and and how we see obvious it's obvious because the house is divided against itself a house divided cannot stand. A house divided against itself cannot stand. Point blank. Period. And there's a clear division in America today. Clear division in American politics, with the oversimplified division of people to left and right, good versus evil. For for many people who are on either side, there's no gray areas, no compromise. In fact, centrists are mocked. It's it's a mess. And that sort of political division, clear political division, right? um is it's very consuming and destructive and it's very very synonymous with the with the end of a civilization um and that's what we're seeing now i know that people don't like to hear that but i mean it is what it is and i don't know if it's going to fall through like i said or people will salvage the situation i don't know but I'm just stating the patterns that I see. And because America's legacy is to spread their tentacles around the world and pretty much treat the entire world as their playing ground, we are all experiencing the effect of their polarizing politics, which by default, when you divide people into good versus evil, what you have is... What you have is recipe for tyranny because like i said tyranny rides on good intents and the the worst part is it's going to affect everywhere it's going to be a global scale and with social media what it affords us to reach millions of people that they go i really don't want to be alive to see totalitarianism happen at this point in time, with the amount of technology we have, we saw what the Industrial Revolution brought and what the 20th, 20th century, all of the benefits of that industrial boom, what that did for political movements and state systems and wars. I don't want to see what um, intelligent technology and massive media the most massive ones the world has ever seen what that would do if a totalitarian government or idea or group would arise this some black mirror type scary thing you guys i feel like that's why i'm even taking a a break from twitter it's a lot and for people who not to blow my own trumpet i read a, a shit ton of stuff i read a lot for somebody who reads a lot and who you would see the patterns, you guys. And it's vivid for me. And it's scary. Yeah, before I miss it, I was going to say that um, victimhood was a very important thing, again, for tyranny. I mean, because when you add victimhood to good intentions, um, I'm talking about political victimhood. Of course, I'm a woman, and I'm a feminist, and I understand the, the, the dynamics of oppression, and I do believe that there are victims, right? This is not to diminish that victims exist or don't exist, that's not my point. But the, the existence of victims and the political framing of victimhood are two different things. I think like we need to be very clear on that. The political framing of victimhood is what the entire left does, which is why I don't identify as square because I kind of think that it's a way for white uh, straight males to also claim the victim. There there are many ways in which we can tell, but the left currently as a political category is occupying the space of victimhood. And the political space of victimhood, that is a very powerful position because a victim can do no wrong. If a victim is violent or hurtful, it's self-defense. If a victim avoids facing accountability or their truth, then it's protection. A victim does no wrong. A victim who is wrapped up in a bowl of good intents is the foundation of tyranny it's the starting point of tyranny it is a tyranny that becomes massive where people are so complacent you wonder how they committed this much evil that is how it's done a victim wrapped in the bowl of good intentions it's very easy with to climb up the ladders of power and i know it's hard to come to terms with this in our group Remember, I said there, there's a leader. There's a leader who strips you of power, or leaders who strip you of power. And in our own time, the figureheads—I don't know if they're the main leaders. I haven't studied it that deeply. But the the, the, the figureheads are the blue checks, the blue checks on Twitter, or on Instagram, and all these people who push the narrative of what it's okay to believe. Now, don't get me wrong, when I say people are in such a denial of cancel culture, it's not because I necessarily think accountability is bad, I don't. But I think we should reserve that for actions, not thoughts, not opinions. I think we've gotten to a point where every uncomfortable discussion, we call it hate. And that's so childish and silly. And it makes us so vulnerable, so vulnerable, so vulnerable to our own gullibility. Not every uncomfortable conversation is hate. Not every uncomfortable idea. And not every hateful comment is what's your energy. We're in a constant state of anger and we're told that that is empowering. That's ridiculous. The idea that we're at a time in history where people are so enlightened and awakened is also ridiculous that some group of people own truths or have so much truth is so ridiculous. This is the rebranding of the popes. The popes when they used to tell everybody what to do and what not to think. This is the rebranding of our parents g gos in churches it's the same thing i think we'd like to think of ourselves as special you ain't special we ain't special we're not the special generation we're the very same it's the very same there's nothing radical about us it's the very same old systems that we've imposed quote-unquote new ideas what we think new ideas are on there's nothing radical about how masculine and mechanical the way we think is and I hope we can learn that and turn this around and break the cycle. Embrace dialogue. Let's not allow tyranny. I, I, I'm being very serious with this podcast because oh, like the other one, the last one where I was just passing across information, this is a, an opinion I hold very strongly. Um, and I I'm participated in this. I've allowed my own gullibility rule me and i'm turning it back i'm turning it around this does not mean not acknowledging your oppressions or this does not mean not acknowledging the ways in which you are disenfranchised this means not letting that rob you or cage you of your ability to question of your ability to investigate your participation of your ability to not even tolerate commentary of your ability to think that critique is the same thing as vilification which it isn't cancel culture exists duh it does and i know people want to deny it which is how brainwashing works you have to deny the reality of it it does work so many of you have burner accounts And if it was so free and none of that existed, why do you need burner accounts to even just say your mind? You're not even a celebrity. You're an ordinary person on the street, but you need a burner account just to speak. Come on, y'all. Burner accounts were one of the biggest triggers for me. The fact that people had burner accounts says a lot about the culture we have. There is no true moral progress. If people are still thinking the horrible things that they are thinking right they just wouldn't say and put their face on it and it's on a massive level for the most basic of uncomfortable things I think we need to rethink what we consider as hateful um, and set new boundaries around that that's important um, don't let anybody deceive you cancel culture exists the, the 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 trick which is how tyranny works in general is Subtle dominance. The trick of cancel culture is to exist inconspicuously. So, in a way that we've created an ideal version of it where massive celebrities do massive harm and then they lose everything for what they've said and they're back to ground zero. Then we can point and be like, hmm, cancel culture. Another way we've made it a conversation that we can't have is by saying that whoever thinks cancel culture exists must be the type of person who is bad enough to not want accountability, who's done bad things. Again, this polarity of good versus bad. Good intentions. Right? So, nobody's going to talk about the reality of the fact that cancel culture is vilification. Even when you've done good all your life one wrong opinion shared boldly can end it for you and that's ridiculous come on guys we can do better than that and that's just a fact for me personally i think we i find that the way of living our approach so petty i think we can do better than that so i think council culture exists but the ideal version of it that we've created to point to is to avoid dealing with the reality of the monster that it's creating. I personally don't need a burner account for anything. I don't use it for anything. Um, Yeah, I have an account which I use to check out people who've blocked me when I want to see what they said. Um, But aside from that, I don't have a burner account to say anything I can't say on my real account. It's difficult. Sometimes to say some things that are on my mind, but I do it anyway. Because I put my money where my mouth is. (laughs) Um, And I'm fine with being occasionally right, um, which I think more people should embrace. Anyway, let's break the cycle. And I think it's the end of the podcast for the day. Just remember that there is no freedom in fear. And all the people promising us freedom. And promising us worlds where we who are the oppressed groups and the marginalized groups are free. They can't give what they don't have. If all they have is fear to share, then they can't offer us freedom. So thank you for listening, you guys. Thank you for listening. I say guys a lot. I want to replace guys with girls. I type girls, but I say guys too much. Anyway. work in progress thank you for listening till the next one ciao sorry for the baby crying also it's my neighbor's kid bye guys